This is the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN. Welcome into another edition of the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz here on MESN Radio and MESNRadio.com. As always, I'm your host, Chris Ficktel. Fitz is out of the studio for another week, but I'm telling you, we're going to get him back in the studio one of these days. I swear, he hasn't gone away somewhere. We got him, but he's just working tonight. Helping out on Mad Dog Show today. Shout out to the man, Fitzy. But let's get into some sports. We got a big day in New York sports today. A lot of stuff going on, multiple sports all over the country. And then later on, we'll get into all over the world when we get into soccer. But we're going to start off with something really important uh, going forward. The longest sport, as far as how long the season takes to be completed, is baseball. And the New York Yankees have a new manager. That's right, Aaron Effing Boone. That's right, as the Red Sox fan know him as. He is now the manager of the New York Yankees, and uh, he joins a list of recent managers who have no managerial experience and then all of a sudden becoming coaches of MLB teams. You got Mike Matheny, probably the most successful one over in St. Louis. He's the Cardinals manager right now. And there's a couple of other ones. I believe the Mariners manager as well right now had no managerial experience going into his tenure with the team right now, but it seems to be going well for him. I mean, it's not like they had expectations for the World Series last year, so they were definitely in contention for a while. He'll be coming back next year and we'll see how he does there but gotta say the Yankee fans I think this is the type of hire that they were looking for you know it's not exactly like they went out and got a Hall of Fame manager but they weren't in the market for one they were looking for a guy who was new they really were looking for a guy who had never managed before that was right up their alley of what they had on their sheets of you know exactly what they're looking for And Aaron Boone really ticked all the boxes. You know, Joe Girardi, not a great interview during his time in New York. He kind of snapped at people that would ask him questions, even if they were giving him almost like slam dunk questions. He just wasn't the best at dealing with the media. I'm not going to come out and say that he was horrible about dealing with the media because he still got the job done here for 10 years in New York and got a lot of winning seasons under his belt. And he did well with the media, but they're looking for a guy who knocks it out of the park. And Aaron Boone is exactly that. He just spent the last few years after baseball being an analyst for ESPN on their baseball coverage. He does live games sometimes with uh, Jessica Mendoza and stuff. Sunday Night Baseball I've seen him on before. And he also does a lot of Baseball Tonight coverage uh, on the program with Tim Kirchin and Buster Olney and guys like that. And I think that he has exactly what they're looking for. He's got the outside knowledge of baseball where he you know the Yankees they're focused on the other teams but they're also focused a lot on themselves Aaron Boone has been watching from a completely neutral perspective for the last couple of years and this guy's going to come in he's got information on every player in the major leagues I guarantee you because he talks about different guys on the show or at least he did up until he became the manager talked about different guys on the show all the time so he's definitely well-learned in the ways of baseball. His father was a manager. His brother is a borderline Hall of Fame player, played on those great Mariners teams of the 90s uh, that couldn't get over the hump, though, no World Series, but still some of the best teams of regular season baseball history, without a doubt. So 
Really cool stuff there for Aaron Boone. You know, if you guys have any thoughts, you can always call in at 609-910-0687. That's 609-910-0687 and talk about it. Aaron Boone, new manager of the Yankees. You're listening to the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz here on MESN Radio. And uh, when Boone was announced, they had the short list down to two names. And it was the the Giants bench coach, uh, Mullins, I think his name was. And uh, or Mullins, and uh, and it was down to him and Aaron Boone. So they had ruled out guys like Carlos Beltran or uh, Robbie Thompson. You know, Yankees organization great, not as a player, but as a coach and really running spring training and doing lots of stuff like that. So he's a Yankee legend, and I believe I've heard he's actually leaving to be the Phillies bench coach. So he left. He's on his way out of there, but he was in the Yankee organization forever, it seemed like. So Aaron Boone, you know, he was only on the Yankees for six months. Let that settle in a little bit. He was only on the Yankees for six months as a player. But the six months as a player ended with him hitting the walk-off home run in Game 7 of the ALCS over the Red Sox in 2003. And that really, you know, Aaron Boone is a legend forever. In New York, I had a conversation with my friend today, and I said to him, you know, 50 years down the road, you put Aaron Boone as a Yankee and Brett Gardner as a Yankee next to each other on the list, and even though Brett Gardner was consistent, you know, total team player for over a decade in pinstripes, Aaron Boone only played for six months, Brett Gardner didn't hit a walk-off home run to send you to the World Series, so as much as I love Brett Gardner, it's I totally see where people are coming from when they say, like, this guy is a Yankee because he is forever enshrined in Yankee glory. People will never forget that. He's exactly like Bucky Dent. It was the same nickname for Bucky Dent, too, after he, you know, won over the Red Sox as well. So it's it's really funny how that works out, how this guy, you know, he was like a flash in the pan with the Yankees, and then he never even got to play for them again. If you guys forget, in the summer of two th- after, uh, sorry, in the offseason, going into the 2004 season where the Yankees would be looking to go back to the World Series again after their loss to the Marlins, Aaron Boone got hurt. I think he tore his knee up playing basketball, and it was in his contract to not play basketball. Like That was one of the things he wasn't allowed to do, and so he lost multiple millions of dollars with his contract, and the Yankees voided his contract. But the fact that he was honest with the Yankees they said, has stayed with them for a very long time, that thought in their mind that they thought he was a total class act because he could have lied and said that anything happened to him. He fell down the stairs. He was out for a walk with his kid, and he tripped, you know, anything. And there was no camera evidence or anything. He told the truth. He was playing a pickup basketball game, tore up his knee. And the reason I bring this up as well is because he wasn't able to play another game in pinstripes because after the injury, the Yankees made the Alex Rodriguez trade after they sent Alfonso Soriano to Texas, and they got back one of the best players of all time. Juice or no juice, A-Rod got multiple MVPs in New York, and he ended up strongly contributing to a World Series ring. But, you know, Aaron Boone, he was, after that year, He was getting ready to sign a sweet deal with the Yankees. The fans loved him. I mean, he could have enjoyed a great career in pinstripes for all we know. But, hey, it's all water under the bridge now. We've gotten World Series since then. 
and now he's the coach of Los Yankees. So really wonder what this guy's going to bring to the table. Very interesting. I mean, like I said, I believe he's brilliant. I, hearing him break down games, this guy loves baseball. He knows baseball. He was born into baseball, like I said, with his father being a manager and his older brother playing as well. So this guy can't escape baseball even after he retired. It's just in this guy's DNA. So congratulations, Aaron Boone. Saw the press conference today only on yes, and uh, it was impressive. He handled it quite well, answered all the questions that the Kester and co sent over to him, and really impressed with Aaron Boone so far. But guys, we're going to move on a little bit right now to another New York team. Spent a little bit of time on the Yankees. We are going to get into the New York Giants right now. But first, we're going to head to a really quick break, guys. You're listening to the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz here on MESN Radio and MESNradio.com. You can always call into the show at 609-910-0687. That's 609-910-0687. Eight seven guys, you're listening to the Sports Fix. We'll be right back. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN. You're listening to the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN. Welcome back to the Sports Fix with Fig and Fitz here on MESN Radio and MESNradio.com. You can always check us out at Facebook.com slash SportsFixMESN. Slide into those DMs at SportsFixMESN. And you know you can check out our two places for full-length episodes, iTunes. That's right. Search for the Sports Fix with Fig and Fitz. Or you can look at SoundCloud.com slash SportsFixMESN. That'll get you there as well. You know you can call up the show at 609-910-0687. That's 609-910-0687. And we got a lot of stuff to get into. We are still only about 15 minutes into the program. And like I said, teased before the break, not so teasingly. We are going to talk about the Giants and another coaching change. As we just mentioned on the beginning of the program, Aaron Boone, appointed coach of the New York Yankees, officially signed his contract, and he is there for a three-year deal. But moving on to the New York football Giants, got a big announcement there as well. Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese both fired. And this is pretty crazy stuff. I'm going to tell you guys a little story right now. So I'm in the Sirius XM waiting room in New York City going in for my interview uh, about two months ago at the end of October. And five minutes before my interview starts, I get an alert on my phone that Joe Girardi is fired by the Yankees. Then I'm in the Sirius XM waiting room on my first day of work. I just got hired there in the sports play-by-play department. And I'm in the waiting room, and five minutes before I go in for my first day, Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese get fired. So apparently anytime I go in the SiriusXM waiting room, a New York coach gets fired. So I wonder who's next. I'm in on Saturday for my first full shift, and I wonder who's getting fired then. I don't think it's Hornacek. He's doing quite well right now, actually, with the Knicks, with the talent that they have on the team. So I wonder who it's going to be. But as far as football goes, let's get into this McAdoo and Reese firing. Guys, 
it has been an abysmal season for the New York Football Giants. 2-10 and 10 record. And I think this move should have been made after the 49ers loss. I believe at the time we were one win and uh, maybe six losses at that point and lost to the 49ers who at that point had no wins. And it was just a total embarrassment. They didn't show up to play. No effort. Lack of tackling. It was just clear from the very start that they didn't come to play. And when you're facing the worst team in the league, that's pathetic. Ben McAdoo was in charge of the Giants for the last two seasons in New York. And uh, he had a fantastic season as a coordinator. You know, underneath Tom Coughlin, he did a great job of helping Eli transition into that older quarterback role of, I mean, he always stays in the pocket. He's not exactly Mr. Speedy Gonzalez over there. But he also, you know, was just more mobile as a youngster. He'd wiggle out of tackles a little better. And now he's got to get the ball out faster. So Ben McAdoo did a great job of really installing West Coast-style offense. Same one he was working with in Green Bay. And it looked really good. I mean, Eli was doing great. So then when it was time to fire Tom Coughlin, they said, hey, let's bring this guy McAdoo in. He's already on the staff. We don't want to lose him to the Eagles. It just seemed like a perfect match made in heaven and then the first season 11 and 5 record the Giants back to greatness they win the division but then they lose the playoff game to Green Bay and I really thought we could have won that one we allowed the uh, Hail Mary touchdown at the end of the first half with time expiring and that really set the game apart they came out stronger team so pretty crazy stuff there but then McAdoo coming into this year it really refueled the team. I mean, they loaded up on guys. They got Brandon Marshall for the offense. They brought in a couple of guys, and they thought, this is our year. But it isn't their year. I mean, the Giants just plain stink right now. It's really ridiculous when you look at it. Team with no effort. They got all these high expectations and everything, and a couple of things go wrong. A couple of guys get injured. Clearly, the talent level is less, but you don't just roll over. But that's what the Giants have done. They have completely just rolled over for this season. It's been pathetic. Uh, definitely not fair to the fans. And uh, not even including myself in this, what I really mean is the fans who go out there and go to every game, the season ticket holders, the people who are full-on dedicated and tailgating in the parking lot at 9 o'clock for uh, you know, a night game or as, as early as they can get in the gate. That's who I feel bad for, those fans who give everything to the Giants, the ones that they used to support at the old stadium before the seat licenses came out. You know, the good old fans, those are the ones that I feel bad for. It's really been a shame this year. I had the opportunity to take my friend up on an offer where I was going to get to go to a game for free, and I actually turned down tickets to the Giants game. And I'd just rather would stay at home and watch all the games on Red Zone. If if they're not going to win and I'm going to be upset, why am I going to put myself in a situation where I know I'm going to be upset without any doubts? Because if they're not winning, I'm going to be upset, or at least putting in an effort. So ten times this year, if I had gone to the game, I would have been completely disappointed. And even in the game that they won, the second one, I had already started hoping for them to lose games by then for better draft position. So 11 times I would have been disappointed. So really crazy stuff this year for the Giants. Totally out of whack. But I think it comes down to McAdoo a lot. He is just horrible at communicating. And we talked about Girardi not being the best in interviews. 
Girardi looked like a scholar in, in the interview room, just the most suave guy ever compared to McAdoo because this guy can't control a room. He can't do anything. If he didn't know football, he wouldn't be on that staff because he really doesn't bring anything else to the table. He only knows football. He doesn't understand the intricacies and the personal relationships. He is a coordinator. We signed the coordinator to be a head coach, and he's only fit to be a coordinator, unfortunately. As far as Jerry Reese goes, though, he's been there for even longer. Uh, He was sleeping in uh, side rooms in the old giant stadium, uh, growing up under Mara's wing, basically, and they gave him the shot, and he went from from nothing in the organization, you know, all the way down the totem pole in the Giants organization, and then crawled his way all the way up to being in that GM role. He helped draft guys like Beckham. He helped lead the team to Super Bowls and hold on to some of their star players, like Eli Manning, for instance. And I just think that overall, he did a fantastic job as Giants GM. But over the last couple of years, we've been seeing the way that they've been trending downwards they haven't added to the offensive line even though everyone is screaming at them to add to the offensive line year in and year out they still continue to stick with the same offensive line and act like magically it's just going to snap into place they haven't drafted linebackers they haven't taken care of the holes that if they filled and had you know a solid starter in there or a nice young guy growing into that role They might have something dynamic to catch other teams off guard. You know, they have fantastic players like Landon Collins on defense, but he hasn't been able to shine because the whole team hasn't been held together, or rather, it's only been held together by, like, duct tape, basically. So not exactly a great job. you got to get that flex seal to hold it together, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, Jerry Reese and McAdoo leaving, it puts Steve Spagnuolo in as the interim head coach. He's been a head coach before. And it did not go well. I think he won less than 10 games in two or three years as the Rams head coach. And then they had to let him go, unfortunately for him. Fortunately for the Rams, because their fortunes have turned upward since then. But, I mean, the fact that he's the interim coach doesn't exactly breathe supreme confidence into the lungs of the Giants supporters. We love Spags. I mean, he ran the defense that helped us beat the Patriots. We never could have done it without the schemes that he was running. He was mixing and matching and driving Tom Brady freaking bananas. And that's one of the main reasons that we won one of the Super Bowls against the Patriots. So forever indebted to Spags for doing that. But as far as just being a head coach for the rest of the year, he knows what it takes to be a Giants coach. And so better than McAdoo, I think this guy will have control of the room. Certainly players will play harder. And I think we're going to see significantly more effort and, uh, you know, just a better atmosphere around the Giants in the Giants locker room and hearing some quotes from the players. I think you're going to start hearing a little bit of a happier tone. You know, sometimes you just need to make a move. It just wasn't working. And I know a lot of people on the team spoke up in favor of him. But just because five people speak up in favor of him publicly doesn't mean there aren't 30 people behind his back saying that he is a you-know-what. So it definitely needed to happen. But this is where the real shame comes in, guys, with what I'm about to say next. Because Eli Manning's streak was ruined by this buffoon McAdoo. Right before he goes out, McAdoo-doo, I've been calling him lately. Not exactly clever, but also quite apropos. 
and McAdoo lets this guy off in the worst way. He comes up to him, and he was told, you know, tell Eli basically, like, if the if the team isn't going well, that we're going to pull him, you know, if we're down by three touchdowns, say, we're going to pull him. Then McAdoo, Mr. Communications Moron, goes up to Eli. Hey, uh, Eli, at halftime, we're going to pull you out of the game. That cool with you? And Eli was like, what? And, you know, no, I mean, if you're just putting me in to keep the streak going, then I'd rather sit the bench. And then McAdoo, just without even realizing that that's a big deal, just goes, all right, and accepts it. He starts Geno Smith. The streak is ruined. He was ridiculed by players and staff and, you know, old teammates and everything. And it was just absurd, the decision. And then what makes it even worse, this is where it really comes to full circle, um, Manning is going to be the starter this week. He's already announced as the starting quarterback for this weekend's game. And that means that if they decided to fire McAdoo and Reese one week ago when they were 2-9 and nine and they still deserved firing, that Manning's streak would still be intact. And he's clearly still the best quarterback, giving them an opportunity to win, or else he wouldn't have been reinstalled as the starter. You only reinstall someone when you believe that they are now ready to lead you. So it proves to me that they completely... Just drop the ball on this one, everyone. And it's not just McAdoo and Reese. Trust me, I'm not only upset with them. It has to do with Mara as well. The way that he handled it was so poor. And the way that it's even happening now, how long it took, the transparency uh, that he had with his comments and just week to week. First, he said, we're going to evaluate at the end of the season. Then, like, four days later, he said, well, you know, I don't know if we can evaluate at the end of the season. we got to start making decisions quickly. And it's like, wow, in four days, your mind could be changed. And in that four-day span, they hadn't even played another game. So it just means that the guy basically changed his mind without any outside influences. It's just an absurd situation, and it's such a shame that Eli's streak had to come to an end. I really hope that they start adding to the streak Again, they keep the number, you know, churning, and then they just put an asterisk on the end and put McAdoo at the bottom of the page when it asks what the asterisk is, you know, when you got to note what it is, McAdoo, because that's the reason why he didn't start his poor communication skills. Now, I have to say I'm thrilled that Eli will be starting in the next game. That's exactly what I want to have happen no no doubt about it bring me Eli every game for all of this year and all of next year without a doubt but it's as far as the future now it's clear that a little bit of the relationship has been hurt between Eli Manning and the New York Giants which I didn't think was possible because when you start a guy that many games in a row and they stick with you and they have full confidence in you that's just like a special bond that can't be broken imagine Eli starting every game for the rest of this year and next year, and then saying, guys, you know what, I'm calling it quit. A career where he would have started every single game from the first game that he started until the last game of his career, all with one team, that would have been a, you know, a fairy tale. And the fairy tale is now ruined. I mean, it can be a tale, but it's no fairy tale anymore because the details are far from perfect at this point. So we got into a little bit of Yankees talking about Aaron Boone being the new manager here on the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN Radio. And then we just got into 
McAdoo and Reese getting fired for the Giants. We're not going to talk too much else about football because we're running out of time on the program, and we still want to get into soccer. We got the Manchester Derby coming up this weekend, and you know a a slower but still in form Man United team against the high flying. Manchester City team and we also got Champions League to talk about that's right yesterday and today was match day six of the Champions League so the last games of the group which means we know all 16 teams that are advancing in the Champions League that's right it's official as of five o'clock today we knew all of the teams that won so get ready we can start planning out crazy scenarios now and trying to think of who is going to lift the crown as UEFA Champions League champion. But first, we're going to head to the break here on the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN Radio and MESNRadio.com. You guys can always check us out at Facebook.com slash MESN. You also know you can check out our full-length episodes on iTunes. Search for the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz. Or you can find it on SoundCloud.com slash with oh sorry sports fix mesn and you know you can tweet at us slide into those dms at sports fix mesn guys we're gonna head to break right now don't go anywhere we're talking soccer when we get back i got a fever and the only prescription is more sports fix with fick and fitz on mesn you're listening to the sports fix with fick and fitz on mesn Welcome back to the Sports Fix with Fig and Fitz here on MESN Radio and MESNRadio.com. You know you can check us out at Facebook.com slash SportsFixMESN. Slide into those DMs at SportsFixMESN. And you can check out our full-length episode on iTunes, search for the Sports Fix with Fig and Fitz, or on SoundCloud.com slash SportsFixMESN. And you know you can always call up the show at 609-910-0687. That's 609-910-0687. Eight, seven, and we got Champions League to talk right now, guys. Really huge week in soccer, starting with the weekend, but we're going to go right to the middle of the week and talk about Champions Day, match day six. Let's start with Tuesday's games. That's right. That was yesterday. And Manchester United kicked off the docket of games. They hosted CSKA Moscow knowing that they only needed a point to clinch qualification into the next round, and they did just that, although it didn't come easy. Seska Moscow opened up the scoring with a brilliant strike in the second half to take a 1-0 lead, and then Man United looked up against the ropes, but in a span of three minutes, both Romelu Lukaku and Marcus Rashford scored, and that turned it into a 2-1 to one win for the Red Devils. They advanced to the next group as the group winners. We'll get into the group tables after that. I'm just going to run down the games for now, and then we'll go back and talk about the greater picture or the grand scheme of things afterwards. So Chelsea took on Atletico Madrid at Stamford Bridge in the next game on the docket, and it did not go according to plan with Atletico Madrid, although neither of the situations that they needed to have happen went through. So even if they had won this game, it still wouldn't have been enough. They go down to the Europa League, so it ended 1-1, guys. Atletico Madrid opened up the scoring earlier in the match. 
Chelsea equalizing late, late in the game. Eden Hazard after the 80th minute, and that turned it into a 1-1 draw, and Roma beat Carabag 1-0 in Rome, and that meant that Roma, with the three points, go through as group winners, Chelsea falling behind into second place. Then we look at the next group, and Celtic hosted Anderlecht at Celtic Park, and it was a shame for them because they were let down big time although they still go through in third place in the group because they had beaten Anderlecht in the earlier opposition. But Anderlecht coming through on top. They only got one goal in this one, but hey, if you keep a clean sheet, you only need one goal. It ended up being an own goal in the 62nd minute, and Anderlecht hold on on the road. They were one of the only teams in the competition with zero points, so the victory gets them three points, and now they are not at the bottom. The next team I'm going to talk about actually did finish with zero points, and they're the first team in the history of Pot 1, and Pot 1 is where the strongest teams are put in. First team in the history of Pot 1 to uh, score zero points in the group stage. Really embarrassing for Benfica. They're a great organization, great side. It just did not come together this year. They took on FC Basel in this one, and they were the hosts. But Basel came out swinging as usual, fresh off that victory against Manchester United late in the game, getting the winner at home last time around. They didn't wait so late this time. Fifth-minute goal for Basel got it off the way exactly that they wanted it to. And then Oberlin doubling their advantage in the 65th minute, giving Basel the victory. Basel have really impressed during this group stage. They get through as the second place team in the group and I wouldn't want to face them in the next round although we are going to see some fantastic matchups in the round of 16 they might end up being one of the easier matchups but in the round of 16 stage of the Champions League you don't want to face anyone because everyone that's still around is a great team so let's get into the next matchup like I said Basel beat Benfica 2-0 on the road and then Bayern hosting PSG at the Allianz Arena in Munich, they needed a 4-0 result at home in order to go through as the group winners because PSG had beaten them 3-0 at the Parc de Prince, so they had to match their result and then better it in order to go through because PSG had that goal difference tiebreaker, and Bayern looked like they were getting off to a great start. It was 2-0 at halftime. You know, Tolisso... Ex-Lyon player, he was happy to be playing in his home country. Kingsley Coman as well, happy to be playing in his home country. And they really, you know, they shine bright for Bayern uh, yesterday. But it wasn't enough. Uh, Mbappe scored a goal for PSG after the break. And then even though Tolisso scored his second of the game in the second half, it wasn't enough. And the 3-1 victory for Bayern sends them through. But as the second-place team in the group, So you could see them going up against a really strong team like a Manchester City or Tottenham or, you know, a side that finished in the top of their group. And also we had Barcelona hosting Sporting from Portugal yesterday. And, uh, you know, not a lot of people showed up to the new camp because they knew that it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that Barca was going to win. It didn't go as easily as they thought. They actually had to wait till the second half. Paco, Paco Alcacer, 
he scored a header off of a corner, and that got the scoring going, and then they scored muy late in the game, and it turned into a 2-0 victory. Juventus knocked Olympiacos out of the competition with a 2-0 road victory as well. Juve going back to winning ways. They won against Napoli uh, last weekend. Very important game. And now they have beaten Olympiacos. Cuadrado in the 15th, starting off the scoring. And then Bernardeschi scoring in the 89th minute right at the end of the game where it almost doesn't matter, but it hurts. So it does matter. And that was all the games for Tuesday. Let's get into Wednesday's action. That was earlier today. All the games starting at 2.45, so there's no funny business around the games. But Sevilla went to Maribor on the road. Did not end up well for Sevilla. I bet they're stunned. They only tie against Maribor, who only managed a few points in this competition. They also lost 7-0 to Liverpool earlier in the competition. So really not good for Sevilla. Not a good result for them. We'll see if they went through when we run down the tables. I'm not going to fool you. I'm just not sure. So Shakhtar hosting Man City and Manchester City's 20-game winning streak in all competitions has come to an end because Shakhtar Donetsk beat them today in Ukraine 2-1. Pep Guardiola started a side of, uh, I won't call them misfits or anything, but he started the old geezers and the young kids. So he didn't exactly put a winning lineup out there, although it did see first-choice goalkeeper Ederson make a mistake of his own, maybe the game-choosing mistake because they ended up getting a late consolation goal. Ederson doesn't make the mistaken goal. That's an equalizer. It would have been 1-1. So shame for him, but we know that he's a warrior and he will come back fighting. Gabby Jesus played the whole game, didn't score a goal either. He was fighting over the penalty with Aguero. When I say fighting, I don't mean like uh, Cavani and Neymar fighting. They were just uh, discussing over who was going to go over it, not actually, you know, getting upset with each other. So that was the Shakhtar game. Really impressive game for them today. They were moving the ball through Manchester City like Swiss cheese. It was pathetic. But like I said, it was weakened City side. Still impressive result. Liverpool took on Spartak Moscow today, knowing that they needed a win to guarantee qualification into the next round, and they definitely did that. I mean, Liverpool, from the very first moment of the game, they were on the front foot, and it started off with a streak of lightning as Philippe Coutinho scored in the fourth minute and then doubled their advantage from the penalty spot in the 15th minute. Really incredible stuff. So they got off to a flying start. And then, oh yeah, three minutes later, Roberto Firmino scored again. So we're 18 minutes into the match at Anfield, and Liverpool's got a 3-0 lead. I mean, this game should have been on FS1, not FS2, because it had all of the action. Sadio Mane added a double, both goals in the second half. Coutinho added a goal in the second half, and you know it's not a Liverpool game without Mohamed Salah scoring a goal. He got on the score sheet in the 86th minute, so happy for Liverpool. We're going to see five English teams in the round of 16, and none of them can face each other in the first round, so they're going to be all spread out facing off against everyone else. Guys, that is really incredible stuff. Think about that. Five teams out of the 16. That's almost a third of the teams advancing in the competition coming from one country. And you know the Champions League draws from all of Europe. So kudos to England. They have been off of their game 
in a European way for the last uh, decade, you could possibly say, since the uh, Chelsea Man United Champions League final of 08. It really hasn't been the same since then. English teams have fallen off. Even though Chelsea's won a Champions League since then, it still it wasn't domination. They finished fifth in the league that year. They needed to win the competition to qualify for the Champions League the following year. So, very different scenario there. Moving on, though, another big game in the Champions League with repercussions for one team. Besiktas go on the road at Leipzig. Leipzig get a red card, and that really affected them. Besiktas with the win. 2-1, to one, and they finish top of the group. And then Feyenoord, they take down Napoli. Even though they went down to 10 men, they still pull out the victory. And Napoli, you know, they know what the score was. They needed to beat Feyenoord, and they needed Man City to beat Shakhtar. Man City was losing the entire match, so they did not play up to their ability Napoli, knowing that no matter what they did, they could not possibly advance. They were guaranteed third place after the loss so they go through impressive win for Feyenoord though especially at home in front of the good old fans giving them a show in their last Champions League game of the year since they were knocked out of the competition three more games to get into here guys shows coming to a close and then we're going to talk about the Manchester Derby before we leave Tottenham taking on Apo well and it went well for Harry Kane and co again Kane didn't get on the score sheet because it didn't matter for him. This was a throwaway game. They'd already won the group over Real Madrid. This was just a formality. So Llorente, the backup striker, gets on the board. Son, as always, set the pride of South Korea. He is incredible. Very fast. Very deadly in front of goal. And this guy gets on the score sheet again. And then Nkodu, the sub, gets on the score sheet in the 80th minute. So... Very, very strong win for Tottenham. And Real Madrid needed to give it everything they got to come out of this one on top. Uh, Borja Mayoral, he opened the scoring in the 8th minute. And then Cristiano Ronaldo, with his goal in the 12th minute, became the first man in Champions League history to score a goal in each of the group stage matches. That's right. He's played in six games so far in the Champions League. He's scored in all six. Incredible stuff. This guy just continues to break records, and even though his La Liga stats are garbage right now, in the Champions League, he continues to perform on the world's biggest stages. So, Cristiano getting on the board in the 12th. Then Aubameyang scores a double within five minutes of each other, and Dortmund tied up the game, but then Lucas Vasquez in the 81st minute steals all three points for Madrid. They go through in second Place. And then the last game of the week, both teams finished with 10 men. They each got a red card, and Porto finished off Monaco, put him to the sword. It was 5-2 final. Not so good. Now, the red cards happened at the same time with each other. It was basically like a fight, so no team ever had an advantage. It was just more of an open game because each team had a guy sent off. Abubakar with two goals for Porto in the first half. And then Brahimi just on the stroke of halftime. And that really sealed the deal. 3-0 going into the break. And then even though Glick gets a penalty back for Monaco to, you know, take the deficit down, then Tejas scored a goal. Tiquinho scoring as well. And, oh my goodness, it was just too much to handle 
for Monaco. Now, Monaco went to the semifinals last year and won the French League, and this year they're in third in the French League, and they just finished bottom of the group in the Champions League. Certainly not what they were expecting, but what people were expecting after they sold Mbappe and they sold Bernardo Silva and they sold Mendy, you know. So when you deplete your roster, almost no matter who you bring in, it's just not going to go well. We just talked about that with the Giants. They brought in guys from the outside. It doesn't always mend well. You know, you got to make sure that all the pieces fit together in the puzzle the right way. So let's talk a little bit about who is in the Champions League round of 16. Let's run it down. Group winners, Manchester United, Paris Saint-Germain, Roma, Barcelona, Liverpool, Manchester City, Besiktas, Tottenham Hotspur. So those are your eight group winners. And then we have the eight group runners-up going through as well. Let's start from the top. Basel getting through in group A. Bayern Munich coming in second in their group. That'll be a tough matchup. A lot of good teams in the runners-up this year, guys. Definitely be ready for some epic matchups in the round of 16. So Basel, Bayern Munich, Chelsea, Juventus, Sevilla, Shakhtar, Porto, and Real Madrid to finish it off. The back-to-back defending champions are in the runners-up field. And since the English teams can't face each other, get ready for one of those English teams to end up with Real Madrid. But it can't be Tottenham because they played in the group together, so they have to have at least one round of separation between them. And, uh, you know, the seeded group winners, they'll be away in the round of 16 first legs and then at home in the second one. So if you won your group, you get the home game at the end of March and that will, uh, you know, hopefully save your bacon if you go down in the beginning of the first. You know that you have the opportunity to fix it after that. And, uh, you know, Man United as a group winner, they won five, only lost one. Lukaku scored four for them in the group stage, so he was probably their best performer in the Champions League. And uh, Paris, same exact record as United in the competition, five wins, one loss. But they have two guys scored with six goals each, Cavani and Neymar, both going for that golden boot of the Champions League. Then we have Roma with Dzeko as the leading goal scorer for them. He can really do some damage. They have a lot of teams that they can face because there's not a lot of Italian teams left. Barcelona, Messi, only three goals, their top scorer. They won four, drew two, so they didn't lose any games in that group stage. Impressive work for Barcelona. Liverpool putting up the third most goals in a group stage in Champions League history. They win three and drew three, but they won 7 nothing twice in order to reach that number. Really impressive for them. Firmino also seeking that record. He's got six goals in six matches as well. Sterling on top for City with four goals. They go five wins, one loss, ending their winning streak, as I mentioned earlier. Besiktas... They have Tosun as their leading goal scorer. He's a beast, and they went undefeated in the group stage. Four wins, two draws. They might have had an easier group, but you still got to win against the teams in front of you, and they didn't have easy teams by any means, just maybe easier than the other group. So definitely still tough matchups. Great for them. And maybe the surprise of the whole tournament so far, Tottenham Hotspur, my main man, Harry Kane, six goals in the group stage, also going for that 
top scorer record, and they had five wins and one draw, only four goals against in the six games, and they had Real Madrid in their group, so really impressive stuff for them. Guys, we're going to talk about the Manchester Derby a little bit right here. Just got some major points to make, and then we are going to end the show. So going into this weekend at Old Trafford, you know, the season is on the line, essentially, for Manchester United. If they don't seize this opportunity, I could see City just running away with it. So it's an eight-point lead at the top right now for Manchester City. If they win against Man United on United's pitch, they have an 11-point lead and they still have the Derby to play, but it'll be in the City Stadium, so they'll have a huge advantage in the upcoming uh, repeat fixture as well as the rest of the season. City has already beaten teams like Chelsea and Arsenal this year, and United still have a lot of tough teams to play. So it's really going to be rough coming into this. It's going to be nitty-gritty, and uh, Paul Pogba did not make it any easier for his team because he actually received a red card late in the game against Arsenal. He stomped on Hector Bellerin's leg. Now, I'm going to come in slight defense of Paul Pogba. While it definitely still 100% deserves a red card, it's a dangerous play. He stepped on the player. He could have severely injured him. Bellerin does him no favors because he goes in with one of the most clumsy challenges I've ever seen and puts Paul in a situation where he has to make a split-second uh, decision on where he's going to put his foot down while he's balancing, and he ends up stepping on Bellerin. But then the reason it's a red, instead of you know, you notice when you're stepping on something, it it seemed not that he did it on purpose again, but that he followed through and he continued to run forward. So it's as if he just tried to like pass it off as nothing was happening. The referee was much wiser. He took about 30, 40 seconds, and he pulls the red card out of his pocket as play was stopped, and Bellerin was rolling around on the ground. So Paul Pogba not available for the next three Premier League slash English matches. So I think he misses the cup match as well, or one of them at least, not both legs. But it's really a shame. You want to see the best players play against the best players, but Paul will not be playing. And David Silva as well, he's listed as questionable by Pep Guardiola, but he doesn't believe he'll be ready to play. So it's a real shame, David Silva, the heartbeat of the city side. But I got to say, with Kevin De Bruyne in the lineup, it makes it a lot easier to miss David Silva and not have it really bite you in the behind. It is possible to play with only one of them and still get the results. And I think KDB is in some of the best form he's ever been in right now, and he's super healthy. So we'll see what they can do. But without Paul Pogba, it is advantage Manchester City without a doubt, especially with the eight-point lead. They'll be coming in with supreme confidence that no Premier League team has beaten them throughout the course of the entire season, and they're going to take that into this game very strongly and know that they have the number of their opponent over the last couple of years manchester is blue don't let anybody fool you i don't care who has more fans it's about who's performing on the field and city has outshined united by a long shot over the last even decade i would say so get ready for a barnstormer of a game this weekend it's definitely going to be intense and I believe Michael Oliver is refereeing the game today. Uh, sorry, uh, over the weekend, it's on Sunday. So get ready for that. And then one of the last points 
I wanted to make is MLS Cup Final is this weekend, guys, Saturday at 4 p.m. I'll be at work at my one of my first days of Sirius XM, and we got a sweet setup with a bunch of TVs around the room, and you know I will be tuned in, even at work. It's great to have a sports job, baby. I'm going to be tuned in to MLS Cup 4 p.m. Check that out. It's Toronto FC hosting the defending champion Seattle Sounders. That's right. You're going to have Josie Altidore and Michael Bradley and Clint Dempsey all in the MLS final. It's a huge marquee matchup. Everyone's healthy coming into the game. Strap in your seats. Get your popcorn ready because it is going to be a doozy of a game. So my prediction coming into this game, I believe Toronto is going to win the game now. That's what I thought last year, but Seattle played really tough defensively, and then they won in penalties. So anyone that's a soccer fan, I'm not going to say that it doesn't count, but penalties is BS. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't tell you who the better team is. It just tells you who the better team at penalties is. So that's not soccer. It's something else. But you know what I'm saying. So hopefully the result is decided either in regular time or extra time, and hopefully we don't go to -to back-to-back penalties in the MLS Cup Final. However, we do see a rematch of last year. That was won by Seattle, and I think Toronto this year, after setting the regular season points record, most points ever in an MLS season, they were the best regular season team in the history of MLS. I believe they're going to come out on top in front of the home crowd that they disappointed last year. They can't let it happen two years in a row. So I got Toronto winning MLS Cup. Guys, don't forget that's 4 p.m. on Saturday, and the Manchester Derby is Sunday morning. Don't miss either one or you'll be square, and you don't want to be that. You know what I'm saying? But, guys, it's been real. This is the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN Radio. You know you can always check us out at facebook.com slash sportsfixmesn. Slide into those DMs at sportsfixmesn on the Twitter, and you can check out our full-length episodes at soundcloud.com slash sportsfixmesn, as well as iTunes. Search for the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz. Guys, I'm your host, Chris Fictel. It's been another fantastic episode. We will see you next Wednesday in studio, 9 to 10 p.m. here on MESN Radio. Adios. This is the Sports Fix with Fick and Fitz on MESN.